Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coffee with a Recruiter podcast. I'm your host, Jose, and today we're speaking with Vincent Warmerdam. Vincent is a developer advocate at Raza. He's a speaker at various tech talks, a contributor to open source projects, and has a deep interest in all things tech hiring. What can recruiters and hiring managers do better when searching for talent? What is the role of culture in assessing tech candidates? How do you use your values to attract the best people? We'll discuss this and much more on the Coffee with Recruiter podcast. Okay, just hit the record button. And hello, Vincent. How are you? Uh, hi, man. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Um, I mean, I mean, the summer is ending and all that, but uh, all in all, can't complain. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, as good as it can be. I'm sure, you know, the weather over there in the Netherlands isn't too different than here in the UK. And a lot of rain at your side or a lot of fog or a lot of, you know, what's what's it like right now? We got the last good weekend. So like if, if you were doing gardening, this would have been the last weekend of the year, I'd say. But, but yeah, London, Amsterdam, it's pretty much the same weather, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I lived there quite some time. And really looking at a weather forecast doesn't really help you at all because, you know, you can read, oh, completely sunny sky and no rain. But then within two hours of going out, it's could change completely, right? So, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. So always go prepared with like an umbrella or a, or a rain jacket or anything along those lines. Or have a, a, a career in IT and you can stay indoors <laughs> all day. <laughs> That's also a tactic. First, Vincent, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do and, um, and anything else? Sure. Um, so, uh, hi, my name's Vincent. Um, there's a couple of things where people might know me from, especially if you're in kind of the data science field. Uh, you might have seen some of my tech talks. I've done a couple of talks at PyData that have been quite popular. Um, I also have a couple of open source projects and a couple of these online projects. Uh, a lot of people know me from the Calm Code project. Uh, but during my day-to-day, I'm a research advocate at this uh, tech startup called Raza, uh, where I collaborate with a research team to uh, understand algorithms uh, surrounding chatbots a bit better. Um, but, uh, and that, but the reason why I'm talking to you is because I'm also known for this other thing, uh, which is this um, weird niche recruiter meme. Um, so if, if you live on LinkedIn, my impression is that most recruiters know me because of this one picture uh, where I'm standing in front of a you know presentation screen. Uh, there's a couple of te- big data technology names listed. Um, And then at the bottom, I ask, I typically, you know, at the bottom, it says, I typically ask recruiters to point out which of these big data technologies are actually big data technologies uh, and which of these are Pokemon. And that's a a meme that's been trending on and off for the last five years. Um, And I actually got to the point where I got invited to be a keynote speaker at recruiting tech conferences. And that got me kind of thinking like, hey, I should be reaching out to recruiters more because I think there's something to unpack here. So that's kind of how we... um, got started yeah i mean i'm sure you've probably heard this in the past but um i mean if you were mainly naming the i think it's the first generation is it indigo league uh (laughs) pokemon i would be quite i mean that's the weird part of my memory i can name all first 151 pokemon but i can't really go in depth on technical work sort of personal or meaningful discussion sometimes that's kind of how my brain you know brains work strangely they retain certain useless information but but they are- yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, so that's kind of the weird thing about the meme. So uh, I, I guess I, it helps to explain because maybe not everybody listening to this podcast knows everything mm. about Pokemon, which would be <laughs> perfectly fine, of course. Uh, but I mean, the, the list of things that um, my LinkedIn profile uh, supposedly has is things like R, Python, JavaScript, Dplyr, Per, and Ditto. And then Ditto would be like one of the Pokemon. Uh, the thing is, though, like uh, I, too, I, I mean, when I was 12, we had like Pokemon first generation and I kind of watched that. But the reason why I wrote it down is because it just phonetically sounds like a Pokemon, these big data technology packages. Yeah. But the funnier mm. thing here is that I'm by no means a Pokemon expert, um, but I did have someone reach out to me, I think from France on LinkedIn, um, because back in the day, I used to joke that I was a Pokemon master as well. And then this this meme started and I, then I got like proper Pokemon experts, like people who were playing Pokemon Go and mm. were like one Pokemon away from catching all of them. And they were reaching out to me for advice on how to catch Snorlax, uh, wow. which, was bit, which was a bit weird. But I also had like lots of recruiters uh, who loved playing the, the Pokemon bingo game. Like they would actually reach out to me, not necessarily because they wanted to recruit me or anything. They just wanted to know if they got it right, um, which, which, you know, it's, it's pretty weird and interesting because it's something that you, you know, I started as a joke and then uh, people started taking it serious, which is kind of weird and interesting. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm by no means a, a Pokemon expert, like not at all. <laughs> I gotta admit, like my wife knows more about Pokemon than I do. Sure, makes sense. Well, well, I think this highlights a, an interesting issue with with recruitment in general, and we'll get to to that in a bit. But I think it also gave you almost, I mean, some. I don't know if notoriety is the right word or just some social sort of media presence. Um, and that kind of shows that, hey, look, I mean, uh, you know, these things going viral, they kind of have an impact and sometimes an, an interesting one because um, not that it would open huge doors or anything, but people know you, they may recognize you or or they go to you for some advice on maybe recruitment or, well, in some cases, maybe Pokemon or something along those <laughs> lines. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's also just a side discussion, but having a social media presence kind of is meaningful nowadays. Although, uh, you know, you can go into the debate of like, is it meaningful to be on Instagram or Facebook? But I suppose mainly on LinkedIn, keeping it in that domain, you know, it kind of does interesting things, if not helping your overall presence or career in a certain sense. Yeah, so it's been interesting. So I definitely remember uh, going to this conference. Uh, it was the Berlin Buzzwords conference. And I think I, this meme kind of got started like maybe a month before this one tech event. Uh, and I was sitting at the table and I think one of the tech leads at Zalando at some point started looking at me and sort of going, oh my God, you're the Pokemon meme guy. Uh, which uh. Is sort of, <laughs> that was the first time that I sort of got ca- called out on it in public, which is kind of an interesting thing. And we all had a pretty big laugh about it. Um, but it kind of depends on who you ask, like what they see in the meme. So um, the, the thing kind of also is uh, some people interpret this as kind of a funny joke, right? They don't take it that serious, but they acknowledge that, you know, phonetically these things uh, sound similar. Um, but there have also been some recruiters who were like pretty offended that, uh, you know, this one techie guy was making a childish joke that didn't take recruitment serious. Um, and, you know, I can also understand that, let's say if you're, let's say a junior techie and you want to get started and you want to get your resume up to scratch, uh, that it can also be kind of a downer that you see this somewhat arrogant guy on a stage bragging about, you know, all the open source tools that I supposedly know or don't know. Um, so there's definitely different ways that people have started looking at the meme, which is interesting. Uh, but the main thing that keeps surprising me is just how long that thing has been trending. Because mm. I think it's been like five years, but every year or half year or so, uh, it just gets shared by this one person and it gets like 10,000 likes and shares and whatnot. Uh, so that, that's the main thing that surprised me, that this is a meme that somehow seems to be able to survive the test of time. Uh, and you would imagine that, you know, <laughs> the situation would change, but there's something about that meme uh, that still keeps people busy, I guess. Yeah, I guess it, it kind of brings us to one of the things that, that I wanted to discuss with you or that we wanted to discuss, which is that the meme kind of and the popularity of the meme kind of illustrates a, a problem when it comes to recruitment and that's maybe the over reliance on using buzzwords to look for talented people when it comes to sourcing and then interviewing and then ultimately hiring right i mean would you say that's kind of been what you've what you've observed what's your opinion on on that well so i I definitely agree with that so like i gotta admit when i you know, I was on the front page of Reddit with this thing. So in the beginning, you're kind of <laughs> yeah. like, literally, I was number one at some point on the front page. So it was like an achievement. Like, it felt like I had unlocked an achievement there. Um, but, you know, then a couple of years go by and you start looking at this thing like, geez, why is this hitting a nerve? Because it is kind of weird that what I would argue is a very silly joke made it this far. Mm, yeah. but then you. But then you kind of start wondering, well, there's, there are sort of two sides of this discussion, right? There's the recruitment angle. You can look at this and there's sort of the developer angle. And then I, I did start to consider that it is kind of a shame that the developers and the recruiters aren't laughing at the same joke. Um, mm-hmm. So from the perspective of the developer, it's kind of like, oh, the, you know, the recruiters don't understand us and, you know, that kind of a vibe. Um, and then from the recruitment angle, I can imagine that it's kind of like, oh, there's these arrogant developers. We're trying to help them find the job. Why is this so funny? Um, so there's this, but there's, I think in the end, all of that frustration and the fact that those two, uh, interpretations aren't aligned all revolves around this aspect of, I think, I, I guess you can call it buzzword bingo, like this whole act of you're trying to get all these technology names on your resume, cause that's how you get found and recognized. I think the core of the, the painful part is there. That's definitely true. Yeah. Well, let's, let's maybe unpack that a little bit. And because I suppose, you know, and this, there is some grievance. There is some grievance, mm-hmm. and we see that grievance 
when it comes to engineers expressing that recruiters maybe reach out to them with the wrong technologies or the wrong role, you know, reaching out to, uh, you know, the classic one is like, oh, Java and JavaScript are not the same, right? And yeah, then yeah, reaching that, that, out to a Java yeah. guy for a JavaScript role or something like that, like, you know, you guys don't get us or that's not this technology that I specialize in. And that misunderstanding leads to some frustration on the candidate side. Um, but also just sometimes it's a question of lazy recruiters and not maybe researching the role enough. I mean, and that kind of leads to also candidates being frustrated, but also then recruiters getting some backlash. And then you see these posts on LinkedIn where recruiters are almost defending themselves, right? And saying like, oh, this other time I got this candidate on the phone and they were somewhat rude to me. They told me to, to stop calling or to stop emailing them, but I'm just a recruiter. I'm just trying to get you a job. That's nice. Mm. Why, why do you treat us this way? So there, there is some sort of, you know, there is a grievance out there some, somewhat, you could say. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can call it grievance. I guess you can call it mismatch. Uh, but, but there's something about the buzzwords. Um, yeah, so, so there's a, definitely something about the buzzwords, but there's also this sort of, um, I guess the easiest way for me to explain it is uh, I used to think differently about all of this recruitment back in the day when I was looking for a job compared to, I guess, nowadays, we're sometimes also active in recruiting colleagues, because uh, then you also kind of experience the other side of the table. Um, and I guess also like four years ago, it was much more normal to sort of be headhunted all the time. I think ever since Corona happened, that has stabilized a little bit. Mm. Um, but there's definitely, uh, there, there is a grievance, I guess, that like there is a uh, it would help if people understand each other's vantage points a bit more. Uh, the only thing that I wonder is like, what's the easiest thing to maybe do about that? And one thing I think that I've learned from the, uh, or at least a thought experiment that I'm trying to do now is I kind of wonder what would recruitment be like if we just didn't have those buzzwords anymore? Because mm. that's also kind of the core of the meme, right? Like if we didn't feel the need that we had to write down these buzzwords in all of our resumes, um, maybe be much easier to kind of explain what I am actually interested in instead of having an industry that's focused around all these buzzwords. Well, that I was thinking about, okay, why is this kind of a problem? And, and then the solution, right? And I think um, one way of putting it, and this, this kind of resonates with what you just said, is when you're looking at buzzwords, mainly you're looking for like a skills fit, right? Mm -hmm. Which, okay, sometimes you, you get wrong and then there's no interaction there. But the thing is, sometimes you get it right. And then what happens then is it can actually be somewhat more harmful if you just overly rely on that skills fit. Because then as a recruiter, and then maybe, who knows, maybe hiring manager, you just match people with skills fit to the job. But there's actually more dimensions to hiring someone that are not just skills fit related, right? I mean, second of all, like, first of all, you got the skills fit. But second of all, what about like a personality type sort of culture fit, right? Or that, uh -huh. you know, some companies call it culture fit or, you know, there's a bit of a debate of whether you should call it culture ad or, you know, to, to improve diversity and so on. But let's just continue with culture fit, right? And then that's where it gets a bit complicated because uh, you might get the right sort of keywords hired, but did you get the right personality and uh, uh, hired? And ultimately, that's also important because we need to find ways to, to get along at work, right? And, and to not necessarily be funny or charming, but to be able to cooperate and, and work towards a common goal. I suppose that's, that's maybe a, a piece of the puzzle that just looking at keys, keywords doesn't quite solve. And that's that, that character fit, or would, would you agree on that? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, there's culture fit for sure. Um, but there's also like, hey, are you, uh, some people are just more comfortable working on their own and some people kind of need a team around them, introverts, extroverts, you got all sorts of people looking for all sorts of jobs. Uh, and definitely your tech stack is just an element of a career, right? It's not the entire thing that defines your uh, career path or anything. Um, so no, like I, I definitely agree that um, there's more to it than just your, your skill set. But then the one thing that I've started wondering is, um, how can we maybe remove these buzzwords from the equation and maybe have it be easier to pay more attention to these other parts of your skill set, like uh, team fit and that sort of thing? Because one thing I imagine, this is kind of what I was curious about, 
And when you look for a candidate on LinkedIn, uh, I think the easiest thing to do as a recruiter is you just start looking for somebody's tech skills, I suppose, right? Like that's, that is the easy first query you're going to throw in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but then I kind of wonder, um, so I'm in the realm of developer advocacy, which is you have to understand tech, but you also have to be a bit of an educator. Um, and sure, you can look for tech skills, but if I were hiring for that position for, let's say, my own role, the first thing I would kind of look for is just, is this a person who used to teach back in college or is this someone who actually taught in front of a classroom before? And is this someone who later picked up programming and is in tech now? Like, to me, that feels like a really easy, yeah, that, that's the kind of person I would imagine would be good for this. But like, is that hard to find on LinkedIn? I, I've never really searched people on LinkedIn before. So I'm just kind of wondering, is that maybe the hard part? We're focusing in on buzzwords initially because it's just easier on LinkedIn or... Like what's your perspective there? Yeah, so so definitely a lot of times there's there's a few things that lead to buzzwords being the key focus, right? And sometimes it's since it's the easiest thing and you know, as workers, employees or human beings, we look for sort of the path of least resistance, right? So we think, oh, the easiest way for me to just find anyone is just to stick to these sort of skills or technical skills related keywords to start finding people. Um, second of all, I think hiring managers also see the how how easy it is maybe to just say like, hey, look, just find me someone that specializes in Ruby on Rails or you know a full stack engineer with Angular on the front end or something along those lines. And we'll do the rest, right? We'll just talk to them. All you need to do is find these people and present it to us. So there's a little bit of that going on also. But I think part of the, the mistake is that a lot of these, um, well, let's look at the candidate side also. You do ultimately see a lot of profiles that when people fill out their profiles on LinkedIn, for example, engineers, they would fill in the job title, the company they work in, and sometimes they don't even describe what they do there. They just It's just a title and mm, company yeah. name. And mm -hmm. maybe at the very bottom, you'll find a list of tools or languages they use. And that's that's about it sometimes, right? Or maybe they'll fill in their uh, LinkedIn description with buzzwords. And then all you have is buzzwords to, to go by. And then you think, well, you know what? I guess, I guess buzzwords is kind of what I am using. And then you only stick to that. Um, so I suppose if there were ways of promoting not just the boss words but also things like okay you know soft skills maybe so okay i'm not just a dot net guy or 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 female sort of full stack engineer but actually i like coaching mentoring i like you know i i have strong communication skills or empathy that sort of stuff and then that could take us maybe one step further beyond just the buzzwords aspect of things and and then maybe just sort of well, here's, here's another thing, but also uh, what type of job you're looking for, right? Oh, I, I'm looking for career opportunities where I can grow, where I can progress my career, where I can learn new things. Maybe that would be the next step. I, I kind of wonder. So I think I could be wrong, but doesn't LinkedIn allow you to also mention volunteer work if you've done that? Yeah, it does. It does. Absolutely. Some people, they they have that. Um, I would say a lot of... Like this will be something you would know better than I do, but is this something that, you know, if you're the average recruiter might look at, like, is it something that is being, is this something that you would query upfront for? Is this something that people would more sort of look uh, at like in hindsight? Yeah. I mean, it depends on sort of the job brief that you get when engaging with a hiring manager. And there's very rare sort of few that might tell you, oh, hey, if they have some volunteer work or something along those lines, then that could be interesting. But a lot mm -hmm. of people either won't ask, they they might not necessarily ask for that or recruiters will just think, you know what, that might limit my pool of candidates quite drastically, right? Because already you need to find very niche technologies. And on top of that, if you add, oh, very niche technology plus volunteer work, that narrows already a very small pool into an even narrower pool. Um, so there's there's that to consider. Um, mm. I suppose if you're look if you're looking for maybe going that extra mile and thinking, okay, you know, I'm not just looking for any engineer. I'm looking for the 
top 20 percentile that has not just the tech skills, but actually maybe some people skills, then you might look at that also. And that could maybe be in the area of looking for a tech lead or someone that's an engineer, but more people-oriented, right? A type of mm. you know more people-oriented engineer that you might be looking for. Yeah, true. No, and I certainly acknowledge that it's 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 certainly very tricky. Um, and I should I should also admit that's kind of the strange thing about me. Um, I have never gone through a standard recruitment pipeline. Like mm-hmm. I've always been, I've always been hired kind of directly because of my blog or a talk I did. Um, like the last time I act- I actively sent my resume and a cover letter. That was for a bartending job in college, um, so I, like I'm I'm coming at this from like a very privileged position in the sense of uh, I have very little experience with the actual recruitment pipeline. Um, but one thing that I guess I do wonder about um, is it very common for recruiters to, I guess with Corona it hasn't happened as much, but like with meetups and, and that sort of ecosystem is that something that you see recruiters do more and more of? Because I I can at least confirm in Amsterdam there's a very active meetup ecosystem. And, you know, but if I'm hiring, I certainly like the idea that I can just spend a little bit of time understanding what someone's about. And then I can tell them, hey, you know, maybe you should apply because you seem like the right kind of person. Is that something that you, that you hear a lot of as well as, as an alternative to LinkedIn? I suppose the, the most popular, at least from the recruiters that I know, and, and at least my personal experience, the most popular way of hiring someone is, just, especially when it comes to engineering, at least at the startup or sort of early scale-up level, it's really headhunting. You really mm. got to, especially if your name is not incredibly well-known, if you're not in like a super popular, well-known company, um, then a lot of headhunting is being done to to find the right person. And then, you know, you might get a few applications along the way. You might get a few referrals, even though you're a very small company that, that's had a, that kind of limits the referrals you can get. Um, but not a lot of applications, uh, I'm afraid. I suppose it's mainly the tricky part is that to really get applications, and that's where sort of um, events come in, is that a lot of times it's bigger companies that organize these events or and that can create the yeah, branding. Yeah. And, and S- someone has to pay price. for the pizza, so it's already <laughs> kind of... An, no, it's like meetups aren't cheap, actually. Like it's fair to mention, like if you're a startup and you're scraping by, like a meetup is a pretty big investment. It's actually true. Mm. Yeah, but it is, a, it is one way. I mean, at least in the company that I'm at, uh, we did a, a small meetup not too long ago and it didn't attract too many candidates, but the ones that it did attract were absolute rock stars. Um, mm. So... Maybe in terms of volume, you won't get tons of people, but the quality of people that you might attract might be quite good because who who goes to a work-related event, right? That's people, like if you're done with work, you know, and then after you're 5 p.m. or 6 p.m., you're done with work, you're done with, with what you do for a living. And then you think, oh, I'm going to do this two-hour work-related thing. That's not just anyone, right? Like that's people that want to go the extra mile. Yeah, and, and also there's this attitude of man, it better be good pizza, <laughs> kind of a yeah. <laughs> kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, well, so it, yeah. I, I guess one thing that I have noticed, and this is uh, also very much true for Raza, the company that I work at now. Um, so in in the developer advocacy team, um, I'm a person who's there, uh, but we also have someone else, Rachel, uh, and she's also great, has a great Twitter follower. Uh, and one thing that we've noticed, kind of on the recruitment side as well, is whenever uh, myself or definitely when Rachel does a talk. Uh, usually resumes come in as well, just because people will have heard from Raza uh, because we're doing a, a you know pretty successful talk at a somewhat larger tech event. So I've I've also heard stories from techies who are able to hire this way, uh, but but also here I gotta admit like this is um, like either you need to be a techie person with a really good tech talk and then you can get superheroes in this way, or you got to be a bigger company with a budget to actually send someone to all of these conferences because. Also, sending someone to talk at conferences doesn't come cheap these days. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, true. it takes it definitely takes some time. I mean, you got to find the right speakers. You well, back in the day, you had to find a venue. I suppose now most of it is done online. Um, you ideally you need to partner with uh, some type of um, uh, maybe a newsletter. You know, mm-hmm. like there's at least in the UK here or in London, and I'm sure you maybe have this in the Netherlands also the London Ruby users group, or, um, you know, I'm sure there's things for like JavaScript or 
other oh, technologies. Yeah, PyData Py is a popular yeah. one for like Python and data stuff here. Yeah. 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 So looking for the right people to partner. Uh, a lot of times you got to pay these, these, these people to partner with, although, I mean, the, it's, it's more the time, the investment, the, the money, and then just thinking what are the returns, right? I mean, um, and that's especially when your name is popular and you're, you're kind of making a buzz that it attracts a lot of people. So that's, that's one thing to, to consider, but in any case, yeah, I mean, events that that's definitely something that, that, that does help just, uh, you got to do it right. Ultimately, is that something yeah. that's, you mentioned that's popular at Ross also? Well, so the thing, the thing is, a, the, it's a secondary benefit, I would say. So if I'm speaking at a tech event, I'm also there to you know, do my little promotion of Raza. That's, that's the main reason I suppose that I go there. But a very big secondary reason that we like, people, <laughs> that we like our DevRel team to do many talks is also because of hiring. Um, but it's not the, the primary reason, I suppose. Mm. Um, but then like, we are a company that's big enough that they have dedicated developer advocates, which is also not every company has that. Um, but I would want the main thing that I have found is being able as a techie to sort of help out recruitment at, by going to all these tech events. Uh, I found it to be a very comfortable way to avoid the, the buzzword bingo, so to say, that you can actually get to know a couple of people um, quite meaningfully um, that you might not be able to get from getting a resume with a couple of buzzwords. Because um, it takes a while before someone who's, say, somewhat junior uh, that they know how to present themselves online or on a resume as well, which um, I've, I've really met a couple of amazing interns, which I think I, uh, I mainly have met because there was this sort of real life interaction as well. Um, but yeah, it, it, I do agree. That's kind of tricky. It's hard to scale, especially if you're a recruiter, uh, then LinkedIn will still probably be your main uh, entry to developers, I suppose. Well, there's, there's different ways to really finding that, I suppose, well, to, to, put it in simple terms like that culture fit or personality fit or person fit to a company. And one of them is through events uh, or mm -hmm. through finding maybe uh, the right buzzwords or not buzzwords, but, but sort <laughs> of, you know, I suppose personality type fit characteristics on a CV or LinkedIn profile, but ultimately a lot of that is taken care of on the phone screen, right? Because that's when you talk to the person and you get to ask them the questions that, can help you discover what's beyond the buzzwords on the CV. I mean, mm -hmm. one thing I wanted to, that I just maybe thought of, but wanted to, to ask you, I mean, uh, from speaking with, I mean, maybe you've spoken to a couple of recruiters or maybe you've been also involved on the interviewer side, you know, interviewing candidates mm -hmm. um, or just talking to engineers, right? To your colleagues or through these events. What are maybe ways when you're talking to, to, to engineers that you can discover what really makes them tick beyond the, oh, you know, you have the, these buzzwords, these technical buzzwords in your CV, so that's fine. But how do you find out what makes them tick personality-wise and in terms of their ambitions and what they're passionate about? So it depends a little bit on the company, but um, a question that I really like asking, and yeah, it helps to be a bit of a techie here, um, but... At both of the company that I currently work at, Raza, as well as the previous companies that I've worked for, there's this notion of education days. So the idea is the employer gives you like either one day a month or like six days a year or just a couple of days where the employer just says, look, you got to educate yourself and that's your own choice. Um, here's a little bit of budget. Here's a couple of extra days. Educate yourself. Make sure that you keep growing. And the question that I always just really like to ask is, uh, given that you get this budget for your own personal education, uh, what do you want to do this year? Like, what do you want to learn? And, and, and then, you know, I do really challenge them to go for something that's a bit bigger. Not something that takes an afternoon, but something that might take a day or two at least. Uh, and usually I find that to be really insightful because it also, uh, it tells a little bit about their personality. It tells, it tells me a little bit about where they think they are in their career. It tells me a little bit about where they want to go. Um, there's lots of angles where you can ask the more qualitative questions as opposed to the quantitative questions. Um, so I find that one question like, hey, what do you want to learn uh, given this budget to be very insightful? Um, but that, yeah, that, that's my favorite question whenever I'm recruiting or part of a conversation like that, so to say. Like, I don't know if, if you typically also ask these kinds of questions, but I, I found that one to be very insightful in general. That's a really great one, actually. I mean, it comes down to at least one of the key things that personality wise you can look for when engaging with 
a person and and that's conscientiousness right and that's kind of the willingness that someone has to do a, an amazing job right and mm-hmm. and part of part of that sort of skill or personal or rather personality trait is the willingness to continue growing and to improve your skill sets and actually so that personality trait like conscientiousness is the biggest one that's the the most correlated with workplace success is mm-hmm. just that simple personality traits whereas other things like how extroverted you are or how um, neurotic or agreeable you are those are less relevant to to workplace success than conscientiousness so that's i mean yeah i completely i might steal that one actually just to, oh, go ahead just to, <laughs> just no, to see I, yeah because I, I like asking the more human kinds of questions in these interviews because uh, usually there's also like a programming task that I see people do during one of these interviews, right? So that already gives me plenty of, an, of a gauge of where they are in terms of skill set that might be a benefit to the team. Uh, but I kind of like this one question just because it covers lots of ground. Um, just uh, another oh, another thing that I might be able to recommend actually. Um, it kind of depends on what on who and what you're hiring, of course. But I have found that uh, when I'm hiring someone that's relatively junior. Um, then I want to prevent that they are intimidated by me. Uh, mm. In part, that's because, you know, they're kind of stressed in the, in the moment because, you know, they want to get the job. Uh, it might, in my mind, it might also be because they, they might have seen a talk from me at PyData. So there's like pressure and all of that maybe in their mind. So one thing that I also like to do, like as a programming exercise, uh, is that I handle the code and they just have to tell me what I should be doing in rough, um, in rough ideas. So I open up like a little bit of a Jupyter notebook, as we say, I make a couple of charts, I open up a data set, and then I just ask them, what should I do next in my analysis? And then I have them di- dictate to me what uh, I should be doing in my analysis. And therefore, they don't have to worry too much about syntax, which is not something I care much about if they're a junior. But what I do care about if they're more of a junior is, hey, uh, can they think independently? Uh, can they handle an analysis on their day-to-day? Uh, and just syntax of code is usually something they can Google anyway. So then I don't want that to be a part of the uh, interview. That's that's maybe also a little bit of a hint that I might be able to give. Um, you were able to get, get a lot of pressure off of juniors this way, um, which has a secondary benefit that even if they don't make the cut, uh, they are going to go and tell all of their friends that the interview process is nice. Because hmm. that, that's something I also tend to really care about. Uh, even if someone... Um, especially the previous company, I was a big advocate for this. Like, even if someone doesn't get hired, I still want them to leave and tell all of their friends that we are a cool company and that we have a good experience in this interview process. Like if they don't leave with that feeling, I would regard that as a failure. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that reminds me of, um, I can't remember what the study was or, um, or which university, I think it was a well-known university. And I saw this, it's a YouTube video where this researcher explained that, they tested sort of the impact of um, what you would call sort of um, whiteboard panel sort of oh, yeah, yeah, interview yeah. sessions versus just a uh, uh, a whiteboarding session without the panel and just someone doing the exercise on their own. And they found that the, the effect of having a panel uh, around and people just watching you and, and sort of maybe asking you questions and and looking at your work makes people more nervous and that mm-hmm. also impacts their performance during the interview whereas if they're not being watched their performance increases so you if you're doing like a a panel exercise then you risk testing for people with good stage fright resistance as opposed yeah, yeah, to yeah. the right sort of skills which I thought was kind of quite mind blowing because there's, I think lately, especially that panel sort of live coding um, exercises are, are more popular lately, or although maybe that's just the companies I've seen. It depends. Like in my experience, it depends. Um, <laughs> well, I guess a funny anecdote for me. Um, so uh, at my current position, uh, there were a couple of interviews and at some point um, I was of the impression that I was still kind of exploring if this was going to be a cultural fit. Mm. Uh, so I had this meeting with a senior researcher and I guess this would have been a meeting for like, Hey, this is a good cultural fit. And afterwards I might get a programming exercise. Um, and the researcher who was going to interview me was of the impression this was going to be a technical interview. Um, but here's what, what I think in hindsight was amazing about that experience. Um, I did not feel pressure at any point in that conversation because I didn't know I had to prepare anything. <laughs> mm, so, okay. so when the, when he told me like, Hey, yeah, this is a technical interview. I was kind of like, all right, well, I didn't prepare. 
but just ask away in that sense, because, uh, you know, <laughs> you can still ask me anything, I suppose. Um, but also because I didn't feel pressure to prepare, I had a good night's sleep beforehand, right? <laughs> uh, and I, I, all of these secondary benefits in hindsight, I think, um, because I didn't know I was going to be technically interviewed. Yeah. I, I, I seriously think the interview went better because I didn't know, uh, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to candidate experience and what you mentioned. I mean, you definitely have to make sure that you can provide the best circumstances to a candidate so they can perform in the best possible way, right? So things like, uh, you know, maybe avoiding a huge panel of people, but just maybe a limited amount to -hmm. interview the candidate or sending a proper detailed interview what to expect yeah Yeah. exactly that can give them a list of like okay so this is what you're going to be asked so you kind of know what to expect although that kind of runs counter to 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 your experience because you 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 didn't know what to or i think you you expected a culture around right so that's one thing to to consider yeah true no so but yeah no so i i definitely think um you also hear a lot of these stories where you know you're in this recruitment funnel and it takes like weeks before people get back to you and uh, you especially you tend to hear these stories from bigger companies that's at least my experience uh, and I kind of get it because lots of people are being hired at the same time but uh, anything that you can do in general to make this experience just a bit better um, is time well spent because it's, it's also kind of marketing for your company I would say what are your thoughts on just briefly coming back to the culture or character fit or personality fit stage of interviews right because that was maybe a discussion around the the skills or technical interview but a lot of companies they would kind of introduce this this sort of culture fit interview i mean would you say like what would be the ideal way of finding out that oh someone's definitely a culture fit with our company so let's hire them and I suppose have you is this very structured maybe in the companies that you've seen where people really know what they want to find out or is it more of an improvised exercise where you maybe don't prepare a couple of questions you just sort of wing it like what what are your thoughts well so um I got I gotta admit so the company that I work for now Raza is the first company that I've interacted with where they uh, where they really did their homework on this front. Mm. So like we, we've got this notion and anyone can go to notion. And basically we have these predefined career paths where, you know, if you get started, if you start working at Raza uh, and you do the, you know, if you're an engineer for a couple of years, then there's a couple of predetermined growth paths that you can be following. And you can tell your manager that you're actively pursuing one. Like, like we, the people, the people team actually does the effort to actually have this in writing for you when you join the company, just to sort of indicate the amount of effort that is being put into this here. Um, I also know that uh, my impression, at least, is that people can uh, participate in culture interviews. Uh, and, you know, that a lot of that, of course, is still a bit of a gut feeling. But we do have these company values. And, you know, we, you are kindly asked to, like, you know, double check if someone fits those values. Like, is this someone who can think on their own? Is this someone who'd be willing to ask questions? Um, These these kinds of things are pretty well documented in the company that I currently work at. Um, And this is also something that we can be quite honest about up front. Like, if you go to our hiring page, you'll see the values. (laughs) Um, And actually, just because we we are allowed to talk about these numbers now, um, we are pretty good at hiring, you know, for a diverse crowd. I think... Uh, the numbers on our blog are that uh, women and non-binary people hold 50% of the team at Raza um, and mm. 42% uh, have uh, uh, of technical roles are held by women and non-binary folks, uh, which is roughly about twice the industry average. Not enti- it's not exactly twice, but it's definitely well above the uh, industry average. So what you're saying is 42% of, would you say, so what type of roles are held by so, women and uh, of, of all the technical roles, 42% of them are held by women and non-binary folks. Okay. So I guess, I mean, and I'm pretty sure people are aware of this, but if you go on LinkedIn and you you can actually search um, professions by sort of gender and see mm-hmm. the gender split, like for most engineering sort of roles, I remember doing this for Python, for example, I think in London, Mm-hmm. Um, women, I think, or at least people represented as women on LinkedIn account for maybe like 10 to 15% of the engineering workforce um, and, or at least the representation on LinkedIn. So there's, there's quite, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a small pool to, to pick from. So if you get from, you know, going from the representation 
out there to 42%. That's actually quite an achievement. I mean, because yep. you're 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 almost close to 50-50, even though you have a pool of very limited people to 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 engage with. Yeah. So the numbers that I've got in front of me, and of course it depends on what source you have, right? So uh, the source in our blog uses builtin.com, and which is a different report. Um, mm. That report states that uh, 26% uh, would be the industry average in tech. Okay. Uh, so it depends on what you compare it to. But in general, I would agree that uh, we are quite good at doing this at Raza. But I like to think that one of the reasons why we are quite good at this is because we are rather explicit about these cultural values up front. Um, and, um, you, you know, we, we kind of, it's also kind of a mission for Raza, if I'm honest, um, you might've heard that there are really these terrible stories of, uh, bias and algorithms. You might've heard a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I wanted to touch on tools in a bit actually, but, but yeah. Yeah. Please. So, so no, if, if, if there's anything that we are afraid of as Raza, like we want to make chatbots that can speak in, you know, that, that have support for most of the languages out there that can be used to make people's lives better. Uh, we are kind of scared that people are going to abuse our technology for ill purposes. So with that in mind, you know, all of these um, efforts that we have in the diversity, equality and inclusion, they really are part of the mission statement. Because if there's anything that we are afraid of is that we emit something obvious uh, because our workforce isn't diverse enough. Like it's, act, it's an active part of the strategy at Raza. Uh, to, an, to an extent that I should admit, I've not really seen in any other company. I've really been impressed uh, with everything that I've seen there. Yeah, it's it can have formal effects if you don't do something about it because you reach a point where your company gets so homogenous that it actually puts people off from applying or from following your interview process. I mean, I've, I remember being in other companies where I would speak to candidates and they would literally tell me like, you know, Jose, so I've seen you guys on LinkedIn. I've seen your employees and, you know, I've seen sort of the composition of those employees and sort of where they come from, or maybe, uh, you know, ethnic backgrounds. And what are you doing internally to improve diversity? Because the, the implied sort of comment is that a lot of you, your employees are very sort of similar, right? So once you get to that stage, you, it's very tough to turn the other way and to course correct. Yeah, so so what, it's it's hard for me to know because I didn't I wasn't there at the beginning of Raza, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I joined. I, I was no, I was I think it was employee number forty two, but I certainly wasn't employee number ten or something. Um, but one thing I will say, I mean, at Raza, there definitely is a company that uh, you're always allowed to ask questions, and it's always rewarded. Um, if something doesn't sit well, uh, you are always allowed to ask questions, and that's something that we heavily emphasize. Um, but it also helps that um, you know we. We have people in leadership roles, and um, we were quite active at all of these different meetups. So I think Pi Ladies, we've sponsored them a couple of times. Uh, we're doing, uh, I think we've done diversity uh, scholarship tickets for um, conferences as well. Like, I think that's sort of how you can still support a lot of, comp a lot of efforts, uh, even if you aren't that diverse yet. Um, but ever since I've joined, Raza has always been a relatively diverse company. Um, I, to be honest, I'm the only guy in my team, right? Mm. Um, it's a, well, it, 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 I don't want to suggest in any way or form that Raza is perfect, uh, but I, what I can confirm is that I've always been impressed by everything that I've seen around me, um, well, which is great because we are hiring people from all sorts of different countries and languages and backgrounds, uh, which also makes for like really interesting coffee conversations. Um, if, if nothing yeah, else, yeah. Also, if nothing else, that's also a benefit. Hundred percent. Well, you you started um, a minute ago. You mentioned sort of, and this kind of started the discussion around tools that I wanted to to maybe look at, and and this kind of brings us back to the buzzwords discussion. But you have these a lot of these tools, right? Like LinkedIn, and I don't know if you've if these these ones are maybe popular yet in the Netherlands, but uh, especially here in London, you got Cord or Hired, um, or um, Ata is another popular one. Basically, these are developer job sourcing platforms where recruiters use them to look for engineers and engineers can go on these sites to post their profiles and explain that they're looking for for new roles and and to be reached out to or sometimes they could apply to your job via these platforms also and the tricky part is that a lot of these um, tools to to reaching out to, to candidates are very keyword oriented so a lot of them just, well, just mainly the filtering mechanisms that you could use 
for these tools is um, whether you want someone that's more front-end, back-end, or full-stack, and then what type of technologies they should be specializing in. Um, and some of them go a little bit further, like, okay, do you want them for a contract role or a permanent role? And then what type of salary are you looking for? And that's that's about it. Um, I've seen a few that maybe have a bias filter where you don't see people's names uh, or uh, pictures, mm -hmm. um, or you can filter for mainly looking for female um, engineers. Um, but ultimately, like the bulk of the usage is around that keyword sort of uh, fit and and not necessarily like some anything meaningful beyond the the buzzwords, right? I mean, have you encountered much of these platforms, or maybe you've been on them, or maybe you, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on them, generally speaking? So uh, I th I think Stack Overflow also has a job section like this. It, it sounds a little bit similar, so you can say like, hey, I do Python. I'm interested in jobs that offer these kinds of uh, technical skills because these are uh, technical stacks that I'm uh, comfortable with. I think a lot of them feel fine. The only thing that I would say is that there, um, there seems to be this influx of these machine learning tools, mm, um, yeah. and you know, machine learning can go can go dangerous. We've talked about bias before. Uh, there's this one famous example, I believe, from Amazon, where they uh, they actively explain this is a technology we did not use because one of the side effects of the technology was that it favored people who played lacrosse, because apparently, according to the algorithm, people who played lacrosse had more management roles at Amazon. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. That... <laughs> you, you kind of go like, all right, I, I, you kind of get where this comes from. You're basically hiring people that are already similar to your current workforce. I and should if start playing American... lacrosse then. Jeez. Well, <laughs> and that's great when you're from a country that where no one plays lacrosse, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but this is where bias seeps in like on an algorithmic level. And that's something I'm a little bit less comfortable with. Um, I think it's fine if you make it into a search engine, but the moment that you start automating, hey, here's how um, the algorithm thinks uh, jobs and roles should sort of be allocated. Uh, that's where you got to be really, really careful. And you know, there's plenty of bad examples out there. Um, so I, I would avoid those kinds of tools, tools that I do um, genuinely think are pretty good. Um, there are these biasing tools that try to help you write like a better job application. Like um, for example, sometimes, uh, if you're a startup, you say like, hey, we've got like a bar downstairs with lots of beer, uh, which, you know, can be fun if you're a guy who drinks beer, uh, but it might yeah. also scare off some people who don't like to drink beer, right? Um, so you do have a couple of these helpful tools that try to make um, your job application just be a little bit more friendly um, and without, you know, because you, you don't want to be a job application that only uh, favors the status quo, so to say. So the, those tools seem kind of useful. Uh, but for the machine learning tools, I would be especially skeptic. Well, I suppose in a nutshell, what they do is they take the status quo, as you mentioned, and they look for the patterns in the status quo and then try to help you find people that that kind of meets that, that status quo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the problem uh, is the status quo is kind of broken. So you are only perpetuating an existing yes. um, model and also just taking irrelevant qualities like, okay, lacrosse, right? And then it's like, oh, okay, so you of all the things you could take from someone's profile, you took lacrosse because lacrosse is overly represented in this demographic. And then you're looking for that specifically. Yeah. And well, I mean, and I, I can definitely imagine like, I don't know, uh, I volunteered to teach data science to refugees for a bit. Uh, and if that's not a feature in the model, because no one ever in their data set has done that, then, you know, I'm not going to get any benefit out of that, even though I think it's been a meaningful experience. Um, and that's also, again, that's where the buzzwords kind of come back in. Uh, I think there's a lot of meaningful things that people could do that just don't really translate very well into buzzwords. Mm. Um, like, uh, like, this is a crazy example, but my brother had a, um, you know, mead, that drink? It's like wine made out of honey. Okay, yeah. So my brother, for a while, and you know, he's a background in electrical engineering, but for a while, he owned the only company in the Netherlands that made mead. Uh, and it was like a whole thing because the government they didn't know how to tax it, but he really, he really, really <laughs> wanted to make it, and he had to figure out how to like sell this product that was kind of unknown here. Um, but that had been like I would argue a very significant and meaningful thing that he did during college. Yeah, yeah, he was gonna... the only one. He was the only person to yeah. start that that enterprise the first yeah, one and, the the settler yeah. you know and, and like the only one and, and and if you like if you look at a resume then this is something that you can talk about and this is a really meaningful aspect of someone 
Um, but this is not going to pop up when you're doing buzzwords. And I've kind of noticed the same kind of a thing. Like I can imagine if I send in my resume, I don't know, to some company here at the Netherlands, um, they might not know what my open source packages are all about. They might not know what all of these hobby projects are about. But if my resume doesn't have the keyword Python, I don't stand a chance anymore. And something about that just feels a little bit weird. Um, but then again, but this is the issue I think in hiring. It's uh, you want to get to know the person, but there isn't enough time. Um, so the quick and easy thing to do is to just kind of go for the LinkedIn and you do the query. Um, but part of me is hoping that we, especially now that Corona might be done with, hopefully, uh, that we might be able to go back to like more of these meetups uh, to actually be a human and talk to people again as we're doing uh, job searches. Uh, that, that's kind of my hope. Yeah, I think, I mean, it kind of, it, this sounds quite maybe nerdy or I don't know, maybe too to um what's a good way of putting it like um you know like i'm dreaming of a sort of utopia where um, instead of just placing keywords or searching for keywords you can people will fill in their profiles with not the buzzwords like um what technologies they use but actually they talk about the meaningful like non sort of tech buzzword related um achievements or um projects that they did uh during during their employment at a certain company, and then especially going into the non-work-related sort of volunteer type work that they might have done or like non-sort non of nine-to-five related projects that mm -hmm. might be work-related. And then you, you sort of judge people based on those, those characteristics as opposed to, oh, they, you know, how many times they have .NET in their profile. And then, okay, they have you know, a lot of these buzzwords. So let's move forward with them. <laughs> this resume has Python listed five times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I guess, um, like there is, there's perhaps like a little bit of a recommendation I might give to like any potential job seekers out there. Uh, I do think things that might help are like do a meetup talk, maybe a lightning talk, half a blog, like these things definitely help. Um, but another thing that I might be able to recommend mainly because that's something that I've been trying out. Like if you are, more of a technical lead at a company, you want to help out your recruiter. Um, something that I've started doing recently is um, many techies do this these days. Like if you're kind of a well-known open source developer, then you can go to Calendly and typically there's like a, an office hour that mm. you can just kind of book with an open source developer. Uh, it depends, not everyone does this, but I've started doing it recently. Um, basically you saying like, hey, here's stuff that I'm interested in. If this interests you as well, we can just talk for about half an hour just to get to know each other. Um, and I've had people who were asking me for career advice. Like, hey, if I wanted to work at a company like Raza, uh, this is my resume kind of right now. Like, what, what sort of stuff should I be paying attention to? Uh, and again, the reason why I think this might be useful, especially for the long run, if you're going to be recruiting, is because, you know, they will tell all of their friends and they will tell their friends' friends. And at some point, you're going to get this reputation that I think will pay back for itself. Um, but the main thing that I appreciate here, again, is sort of the human connection. Um, it, I don't really see someone's resume. Instead, I just see someone's face and I just have a conversation. It's quite honest, which uh, I, I genuinely think might also be of help in the Zoom era that we're going to be living in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, you know, I've been I've been considering, you know, you've mentioned it before, but that sort of putting maybe my Calendly link on LinkedIn and like, hey, if you're interested to book in a half hour, then, then go ahead. So I might just try that. Although it kind of, you know, it, you're kind of, I mean, hopefully, you know who you're going to talk to before, right? And it's not just like a on the spot, um, you know, you only find out once the call is started or is that kind of how it goes with you? Well, so the, uh, my experience so far has only been extremely positive. I've met very interesting people. Uh, the one caveat that I do feel obliged to mention, uh, I have been talking to some other people uh, and I do have, especially women, I'm, I'm sad to say, uh, that also have had bad experience where people just show up just to harass people. Oh, geez, so I don't, yeah. yeah, no, it's, 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 it's horrible. It's, 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 it's a bit of a shame, but um, so like, I don't want to suggest that this is going to be perfect, but the, the conversations that I had that were good, genuine, were, were like a genuine joy. So there's something about that. I think um, I, I imagine if someone is like doubting whether or not the company is something that's right for them, uh, being able to like have a quick call with a recruiter for just half an hour, uh, might already help a whole lot, just in terms of clarity. Makes sense. Uh, well, well, just to just to wrap up, Vincent, and and just to, just to summarize the discussion, and then just a final question. So sure. so far, we've discussed sort of the the meme, the buzzwords, and and kind of why that's 
that's that's bad you know it may lead to culture mismatch and um and you know overall just just people maybe not being happy in their current role and we've discussed how you can kind of mitigate this with the maybe different tools maybe a different phone screen maybe a certain way to approaching the interview but um i think one of the key things that it's not necessarily interview or recruitment related, but is equally, if not more important, is just making sure that you have the great sort of good environment for someone to thrive, right? So mm-hmm. not just having the right hiring process and knowing what to ask or what to look for, but also when someone arrives at your company, making sure that it's a place where let's say people can get ahead and by getting ahead, it's like, okay, they can progress in their careers. They, um, they can learn new things. Second of all, it's a place where they can get along with each other. Right. So the right sort of, you know, where it's a place where it's a low ego, humble teamwork, sort of communication, that sort of stuff, or, or where you can be left alone. If that's kind of your job, you know, where you can be. Yeah. I mean, I know many people who have a happy career, just coding and uh, being able to be independent. That works for a lot of people, but, but, but it needs to be, but it helps if that's upfront clear. That's certainly true. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then one third one I wanted to mention was somewhere where people can find meaning in their, in their jobs. Right. And that might come back to, Oh, what's the sort of company mission and why are we doing this beyond just, just getting a paycheck. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to, uh, change, you know, not necessarily change the world, but we want to, um, I don't know, bring bring meals faster to people, you know, just to name a popular example or or help with, you know, streaming movies or or something small like payments to to developing company to developing countries or something along those lines. Um, I suppose what are your thoughts on on these dimensions? I mean, uh, and maybe in your past experience, what are companies doing right or what can they improve on when it comes to to just making sure they have the right environment for their employees. So I uh, I like to think, but I've done no research on this, but I like to think if you're talking to a company and you ask them like, hey, what are the main reasons why people want to work here? And if the main reason is, well, we pay more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that can be an honest answer. And I can definitely imagine that there's a couple of these financial institutions who really uh, prefer to have a culture that's based around this. And okay, uh, sure. Uh, people can make that choice. Uh, but there's a reason why that I think wouldn't work for me. Yeah. Um, just to, just to briefly interject there, like uh, there's, there is, I won't name the company, but there is one company here in London that's, that has the reputation for their hiring processes. Just, they want to get uh, assassins, like just, you know, contract well, yeah. killers. And that's kind of like, uh, you know, people that will just do anything for money. And that's kind of their approach to hiring. And it doesn't necessarily lead to the be- best environment, but 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 yeah, I mean, there are companies that really literally just approach it that way, just just to be sure. Well, but but then the question I like to think a step ahead in that case, and then I kind of wonder, okay, what kind of people will this attract? Mm. <laughs> will, these, will these be people where I can build like a meaningful tech stack where we care about the product, where we are going to be, you know, making sure it doesn't break? Uh, like I I like to think I, I like to think that you can have this attitude of let's move fast and break things, and I mean, sure, you can put it on a T-shirt, uh, but I kind of prefer the let's do it slow and fix things like part of me just likes that slogan a bit better Uh, and i've always noticed that um you kind of get the career tigers who are a little bit more interested in uh moving their own career forward as opposed to like building something cool together um and again like if if you're if you want to prevent that it helps to have predefined growth paths for roles that's something i've seen at raza um you know it's, it's very nice to have that on paper um but yeah, you are what you eat and the, the culture becomes what you hire. And if you promote yourself as we are the, the place where people earn the most money, then you're going to get a place where people can't shut up about earning more money. <laughs> That's been my experience so far. It doesn't always necessarily lead to the most uh, interesting team or, and or problem and or company. That's my experience. Yeah, I think we, you definitely need a balance of these sort of three components, right? So if you only hire people that want to get ahead, then they're going to try to get ahead and improve their, their own careers at the cost of others. But what you really need is people that know that they have to get along to get ahead as a, as a team, right? So, you know, yeah. by working together and meeting each other halfway is how your company will will grow and thrive and 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 ultimately progress forward and and you'll progress with them. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the plan, right? Uh, 
but uh, but yeah, it, it also kind of depends, I guess, on the kind of company. There's bigger companies, there's smaller companies. Um, there's companies that are a little bit more about the lifestyle. There's companies that are a little bit more uh, a place where you can grow. Um, but yeah, like I, I like to have something a little bit more than just salary. Uh, and for me, what really works well for Raza is uh, in the end, we are building an open source tool, which is always nice and appreciated. Uh, it's a company that really, you know, we do machine learning, but we also try to pay attention to the bias phenomenon. We don't want people to abuse our technology uh, and all of that's like nice and wholesome. Um, we definitely try to like uh, cause innovation, but it's not like we ask you to work 80 hour work weeks or anything crazy like that. So that's um, it, it, the balance works out quite well for me. Absolutely. Well, Vincent, for more information about yourself, what you do, where can we find you? So you can go to Google and you, you can type in Pokemon recruiter meme <laughs> and you'll get a photo of me. Um, but my name is Vincent Warmerdam. You can find me on Twitter, fishnets88. Um, if people are interested in talking about this recruiter phenomenon, uh, I'm genuinely interested in seeing how we can get, uh, especially the more junior people, uh, like with a uh, good career path going, because getting started, it's not easy. Uh, so I'm definitely interested if people are interested in talking to me about that. Um, Raza is my employer. Check it out. Um, we are also hiring. Uh, and the Calm Code project, if you're also a junior in Python, uh, calmcode.io might also be a place that will help you out. You can also find me there. Excellent. And for the listeners, I will add these links to the episode description so you can find them there. Vincent, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and hopefully we'll talk soon. Sure. Likewise. Have a good one. It was great fun speaking with Vincent. You can find more details about him and his projects in the episode description. If you like this episode, then please subscribe or follow or share with a colleague. Thanks again and stay safe.